Welcome to Reframe the Podcast, helping you reframe your thought patterns, habits, and mindsets to create the life that you want to lead. Hi, Jess, and thank you so much for joining us here at Reframe Club. It's really exciting to have you here and learn more about your work. Um, and to get us started, really just an opportunity for you to tell us a little bit more about who you are and what it is that you do as the Freedom Coach. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me, Rose. It's really exciting to be here and really excited to um, be able to share what I do, but also how that can help your clients as well. Um, so I am uh, Jess, I'm the Freedom Coach, and I'm a transformational coach who uh, works with loads and loads and loads of different people um, who are trying to free themselves from patterns in their lives which are holding them back. And these patterns could be linked to anything. It could be linked to limiting beliefs. It could be linked to um, mindset sticking points. It could be linked to so many different things. But the most common factor that my clients have is that they know they could be living more of a life. They know they could be having more and they could be being more in their lives. And so what we do is we free them from all the baggage that's holding them back and we rewrite the narrative so that they can live the more that they want to live in their lives. Yeah, so that's huge. That's no small undertaking, is it, Jess? No. I mean, I think the word and the word transformational is key there because it is a specific type of coaching, isn't it? Transformational mm -hmm. coaching. So uh, that's the thing. There are so many coaches out there, aren't there? You know, we've got me, nutrition coach, and then you've got life coaches, and you've got. So, what is the crux of the transformational bit? What is it that makes it different to other coaching methods? The the thing for me. So, I when I before I wanted to be a coach. I looked into all sorts of different types of coaching methodologies. And the key with transformational coaching for me particularly is that we've got so many different tools in our toolkit. So we look at NLP, we look at CBC, Cognitive Behavioral Coaching. We look at so many different methodologies that a client can come to us and we can truly tailor make a coaching journey for that particular client it's not a one-size-fits-all it's very much about the client and about their journey and and i have an extraordinarily broad range of clients i do a lot of equestrian mindset coaching and performance coaching for competitors at the moment and and these are um some are quite young people um young teenagers and their mindset that they're still in the formative years of their of their early lives and so their mindset is so malleable and the tools that they can learn through competing their horses will stand them in great stead for the rest of their lives with taking exams and becoming an adult and so on and so forth i've also got much more established and experienced clients where there'll be one tweak there'll be one sticking point and we'll work for three sessions together and that sticking point unsticks, and then they're in a great position to be able to move forward. So not every client journey is huge. Some are, are greater than others. Most clients I work with either, probably an average of three sessions actually, but some clients up to 15 sessions, but normally it's around three to six sessions and, and they can make real breakthroughs. And my aim, my personal aim, is for those clients to be self-sufficient as quickly as possible. And that's what really makes me smile is 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 giving my clients the tools and the toolkit to be independent of 
of needing me every five seconds and to be able to flourish in their own way, in their own path and in their own uniqueness. Yeah, and that's that's absolutely it. And that is the point of difference with coaching, isn't it? We're as coaches, we're all about actually what we want you to do is fledge from us. We want you to be, as you say, self-sufficient. And there's something you said at the beginning about um helping people sometimes identify their limiting beliefs. And that's quite a, a coaching term that we we use, but for a lot of people that'd be quite a new phrase and they might not know what that means, the limiting belief. Um but it's when you mentioned about at the minute coaching teens, because actually it's in our childhood and in our teenage years that some of those limiting beliefs can really come into their own. They can come from things that our parents say or things we hear from our peers. Um, I just wonder whether or not you could expand on what they are and how they kind of can hold us back as we grow into adulthood. Absolutely, yes. So I didn't have a clue what a limiting belief was until probably about, uh, probably my late 30s really four or five years ago um, and and I when we grow up we have so many influencers in our life obviously we have our parents who influence us hugely we have may or may not have siblings we have close friends we have teachers we have the media there are so many things that are influencing what's going on in our head and when we're young and when our we, do, we don't really know any better and we don't question things until I think we're much older we take what we are told as fact and as belief. So one of the, one of the limiting beliefs I grew up with, um, and my mum was always trying to protect me, however, she would always say, Jess, you're not a natural athlete. Don't, I wouldn't try and run. You're not a natural athlete. And so literally for my entire 20s, and friends will laugh at this, I was I was always going to beginners running clubs because I was always a beginner runner because I was never going to get further than that 5k or that or, or I did well once did a 10k that was very exciting um and and that stuck with me for years and there were other little things that my, my family were quite traditional and, and also in many ways quite fixed mindset so they had very much a view on the world and they didn't necessarily flex out of that or look outside of their world to see what other, th other things were going on or what other people were doing. So I very much grew up with a, a, a quite tight-knit bag of these beliefs that, that I had been educated were fact. And it wasn't until I had a, a, a really upset time in my life about four years ago where the wheels all fell off. There was all sorts of chaos going on in my, in my private life and in my work life. Um, I'd set myself up with a huge adventure, which um, was a success, but could be perceived as failing. I'd, I'd gone to climb Mount Kilimanjaro and I hadn't quite got to the top. Um, I'd done everything else and it was amazing, um, but I hadn't quite got to the top. And, and initially I was absolutely devastated. And it wasn't until coming home and really reflecting on, well, why was that? And what could I have done differently? And that's what started me on the coaching journey of saying, well, actually, no, that thing I've got in my head about me not being a natural athlete, that's utter nonsense. There were people climbing up Kilimanjaro who, who were from all sorts of backgrounds, different shapes, different sizes, and they were living their best life. They'd taken the courage and the conviction to say, Do you know, this is something I'd really like to have a crack at. And I admired those people so much. And I thought, well, why am I not doing that? Why am I not rewriting the rules that are sitting in my head so that I can live more of a life? Um, and I think it's so easy to be defined by 
what we have learned as children and young adults and, and now looking at media and what we should do rather than what we actually feel, who we are. And, and that's, that's really switching those limiting beliefs to, to a belief that we trust ourselves and we trust how we feel and we trust those people around us. That's so important. And, that, and it's literally like light bulbs going off. It takes work to work through those limiting beliefs. But once you get that work kind of established, that the light bulbs are going off of people suddenly realizing, yes, I can do this. And why did I ever think I couldn't? So I'm quite passionate about that, as you probably gather. No, and so you should be, because absolutely, the minute, as you say, we can begin to stop defining ourselves by those external voices, and as you said, there's external voices now, and I think this is something, maybe whether or not you come across it with your younger clients more, or actually, I find it as pervasive with my older clients as my younger clients, um, with the media, um, and being, you know, this kind of, these example set of, who we should be in terms of you know how we look and fitness and as you say you know so many individuals I work with will say well I wasn't built for or I was told I was you know I wasn't the right shape or I wasn't the right you know whatever but I think and especially I think as women we suffer from that I think we're told at quite an early age you know it's quite interesting what you said about sport and running at quite an early age girls learn to kind of disengage once they hit senior school um, and they become aware of their bodies and they become aware of boys and they become aware of all those things. They disengage from sport. They think that's not for us. That's not for me. I'm not, you know, I won't be attractive if I become a, you know, shot put thrower or whatever. My mum, it's an example of a limiting belief. I remember my mum, very talented tennis player and she played regionally um, right up to her teens and she hit her teens and they were told, you know, you've got to keep going. But someone said to her, if you continue, if you play tennis, you'll end up looking like a man and wow. she stopped and mm -hmm. her she just never did and because she had this belief that it, she would suddenly become masculine because this voice told her that mm. that was who she would she would become so yeah mm. definitely those, those things happen early yeah it's absolutely fascinating and I think I think with the media it's so it's really hard because actually we as adults we are more capable of choosing how we nourish ourselves, not just with food, but with what we watch and what we listen to and so on and so forth. As children, it's almost by osmosis. We don't necessarily choose. We, it's, a, it's a very human thing to go with the pack and want to be in the cool gang and, and want to be popular. And, and that's, that's real primal behavior. Um, and I think it's so important that we see media as a useful tool as well as a watch out um, and I think that's the one thing that I'm more conscious of these days than I ever have been I, and I actually don't have a television at home I got rid of the TV um, nearly a year ago now um, and I needed to replace it and I thought well I don't really want to replace it I want to instead of watching whatever's there I want to be mindful about watching things so I got rid of the telly I do live on my own which does make that a lot easier I'm sure if I had other people sharing my home they may not necessarily go with the flow with that however I just the change in me has been extraordinary because I'm now completely um, mindful of, of what I'm watching what I'm listening to what I'm reading and, and really nourishing myself in that way and an and Instagram, I, I adore Instagram. I do go through phases when not so much so, um, but I follow accounts that make me feel great. And, and, and it's so important that we actually actively make that choice 
as to what we are nourishing ourselves with. Mm -hmm. And for those who have children, helping their children to make those choices as well and empowering those children to make their choices. Yeah, massively. And giving them the opportunity to step outside and actually take the time to assess how it's making them feel. Um, because I think so many of us, as you say, mindlessly absorb um, you know, we sit there scrolling and it may not be until we take that, take that moment and bring our awareness to it that we realise that that scrolling, those accounts that are consistently coming up on our newsfeed are feeding that anxiety. And as you say, how do you shift it from following those that nourish to those that leave you feeling anxious? And I think that quite neatly brings us to the question about, um, you know, obviously at Reframe Club, we're all about health and its widest term and its widest scope um, in, and in your opinion what would you how would you define health because it is so much more than a diet plan and an exercise plan isn't it Jess? Mm -hmm. Oh it really is and you know it's such an interesting question and it's a question I've thought long and hard about because health for everybody is so different mm -hmm. I think for for me and my health and what I love to share is the definition of health for me is the ability and having the physical and the mental ability to say yes to living a wholehearted life and we can have physical strength we can be we can be physically able to run or climb or jump or skip or whatever but if our mental health isn't in a place where we feel comfortable in going to the local park because there are lots of people there and we don't really want to be seen where there are lots of people or um, we feel self-conscious in playing badminton in, a, in an indoor sports hall at a leisure centre or being in a swimsuit or, or whatever that thing is. We have to have, it's a real balance between the, the mental wellness and the physical wellness and then binding those two together just to say yes do you know what this is what I want to do I want to climb that hill I want to climb that mountain I want to swim in that pool I want to lie on the beach I want to be able to do all of these things and say yes to living a wholehearted life hmm. and so much of that is about how we validate ourselves isn't it I think when we kind of um, put external uh, voices external measures external judgments at the top of our list of you know am I worthy because this person says I am or you know I'm up this shape or I'm this size or I'm this level of fitness or I look like this in my swimsuit the moment we can shift that and say actually the person who should be at the top of that list starts here it's me you know that priority list of who do, whose opinion do I actually really give a monkey's about well the first person mm -hmm. on that list should be you when you can begin to make that shift that's when that changes isn't it about how we validate ourselves yes absolutely and that's where social media can be a really good tool in that there are more and more really positive role models in social media where there are women in all shapes all sizes all fitness levels all all, all sorts of beliefs and, and and they're out there doing it and those are the people uh, to 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 be inspired by and i think it's also really natural for us as humans to compare and we know that comparison is not healthy, but it's still a really hard habit to break. And so if we are struggling to break out of that habit of comparison of, com comparison of well, I look like that in a bikini, she looks like that, then, then by filling our feed with a positive role model where we can say, well, actually, 
we can look like anything. It doesn't matter. I feel comfortable because I know I'm me. And this is interesting. This is where personal values really come into play as well. It's not just about the beliefs. It's about, well, what are the things we really, really value? And it, values are a huge start point for me with much of the coaching I do, particularly with one-to-one -one clients and older clients, is do they actually know what their values are and are they living a life aligned with their values? So one of my core values is authenticity. So everything I do, I do it as authentically as I possibly, as I possibly can. And I hunt out people who also live that belief and people who don't, I, I just sw switch off to. And if it's not okay to unfollow or whatever, I just hide them, I mute them, I whatever. But for me, it's really important that, that the people I follow, the, 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 the crowd that I associate myself with are also like-minded in, in, in personal values. Hugely. That is, it is really important. And there's something you said there about broadening our understanding through social media of, you know, you said there are people out there doing it in every shape, in every size. And I think sometimes we can take a really active step, like a really active, and you have to bring your awareness to it and you have to bring your consciousness to it because the reality is that your feed is going to be full of Fitspo accounts and, you know, women living the best life and they're keeping these beautiful immaculate homes and working full time and their children look wonderfully pretty, you know, and it's all, most of it is all smoke and mirrors. But if you can consciously take the time to curate your feed in a different way and stretch out and look, as you say, find those accounts that are being authentic, that are real, that are um, showing a life that is true, um, whatever that may be, then as you say, it, it gives you space to recognize that you as you are um, is enough. Mm, absolutely, absolutely, yes. And there's another thing you said, you talked about your experience of climbing Count Kilimanjaro, which I just have to say, Jeff, awesome. The fact, that you even, the fact that you even applied yourself to want to do that is amazing in itself. But you, you said that thing about um, it could be seen as a great success or a great failure because you climbed it but didn't make it to the very top. And I think that's the other thing, isn't it? It's how we define success is a measure of how, you know, we tend to use that as a stick with which to beat ourselves within that context of comparison, um, what we're seeing, what other people are doing. But actually, how we define success can be very different for each of us, can't it? Very much so. And actually, that's why I love the, the reframe brand, because it's, it, it says so much. And I think um, what, what was really interesting for me at that particular time was how was the perception of my friends and family as to what had happened. And I stepped away from a lot of friendships that year because I suddenly realized, oh, okay, that's genuinely what they think. Is it what they think or is it what they're putting out there to look cool because there can be a little bit of banter or actually is it banter or is it actually bullying? Mm. And, and I stepped back from a huge amount of friendships that year and really, really cherished and worked on the friendships that were wholesome and well and those friends who really had my back. And, and it's something... I think that's why that year for me was such a pivotal year because it really showed a lot of true colors in every single way um but yes to go back to the point of of, of reframing a scenario 
we, the way our brain works is our brain will always remember what's happened and it will store those memories. So if something happens by reframing it in a really positive way and then logging it into our memory banks, if you like, that then stays there as a positive source of energy, inspiration, a positive reference for, for our brain to be able to use in a really strong way. And, and a really good book around this subject is called The Chimp Paradox by Dr. Steve Peters. And he's an incredible guy and it's an incredible book and I would absolutely recommend it. Um, and we, we can take negative memories out and, 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 and limiting beliefs and say, well, okay, well, why do I think that? Oh, well, somebody said this to me years ago and, and I trusted that what they told me was real. So what was the evidence behind them saying that? Was that their own stuff going on? And that's quite often the case. Or, or was there real evidence? And if there was real evidence, then how can I reframe that to a positive outcome? Um, and then log that back in our brain as a positive outcome. And okay, well that happened. So I didn't quite get to the top of Kilimanjaro. However, what I learned about that process and about myself and that, that changed my life. It was an absolutely pivotal moment that I wouldn't be where I am now doing what I'm doing and have the incredible life I have now had it not been for that experience I had. Yet some would still class that as a failure and that's okay because that's their problem, not mine. But it's taken work to get to that place where mm. I can say that and really believe it intrinsically. Yeah. And being able to unhook yourself from their voices. Absolutely. That's the thing. And they do manifest. Those voices consistently manifest. Um, you know, bringing it into the work, you know, the work we do at Reframe. Um, those voices that show up. That some people like to call it the inner critic in the work we do they tend to be kind of like the food police or the exercise police and it's that voice in your head that shows up with these really strong statements but they're more often than not based on false evidence or false beliefs and part of that is inherited sometimes we get it from our parents you know the master don't eat this clear your plate you know all of those kind of things but they are, as you say, they can show up in a really strong way. And those cognitive distortions, we assume are facts. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the most powerful things we can do is those moments in time when we can go, actually, their words shouldn't become my thoughts and thoughts aren't facts. And when you can begin to make that distinction, you can begin to reframe so much um, and begin to retort in a way that is very far more encouraging and kind and, and neutral to that, those kind of inner voices until we manage to shrink them down to in the yes. truth completely. Absolutely. Although I'm not sure they ever completely ever go. I think, you know, are we ever free mm. really of, you know, that little voice of, you know, criticism? Do you still experience it still come in or do you, you found the ways to kind of squish it back down when required? Oh, I think it's, I think it's always, that there will always be something there. I'm far better at, firstly, if I have that engagement with somebody which isn't necessarily positive, I will on the spot ask them to clarify and what, what are they basing that on? If it's appropriate, it isn't always appropriate, obviously. Um, and then, and then quite often they'll, they'll say something in a different way or they'll clarify, oh no, I didn't mean it in that way. Okay. And, um, and I try not to be challenging with that. I try and be encouraging because 
what I love to see is other people being more aware of the words they use as well when they are communicating with me or others or whoever. Um, and I think the other thing that I've really learned is that they're just a passing thought. We, it, it's our choice whether we engage with that thought or not. So by engaging in the thought, we're giving it energy. Mm -hmm. So we have to make that decision. Firstly, are we going to engage with that thought or not? If we're not going to, then poof, it's gone like a cloud, over the hill, whatever, it's gone. If we are going to engage in it, what are we actually going to do with that thought or that belief or that thing that our head is telling us? And we have to use that in a positive way. We either have to reframe it or we have to acknowledge it and say, okay, so that situation wasn't that great. However, what I have learned from that is this, and therefore there is a positive outcome. And we spin it on its head, we reframe it, and then we, and then we log it back into our brain. And, and, and the, that takes time and that takes practice. So even though I've really learned those skills sort of four or five years ago, I still find myself consciously doing it. So I'm also online dating at the moment, and that is okay. opening a whole world of communication with new people I've never met. Um, and it's really interesting how people who aren't in the coaching world or the wellness world, how they communicate, and also what they believe is an appropriate way of communicating in words or so on and so forth. And, and so it's really, it's really interesting. And, and that raises a lot of sort of little gremlins in my head going, mm. oh my goodness me, you're not good enough, or all this or all that. And, um, and so I have to really be very much on top of it and I have to manage my energy around it because reminding myself what's what I truly believe and what is just a passing thing that I need to let fly away takes energy and it takes practice and it's very easy when we're tired and when we aren't nourished and when we have watched something rubbish on the telly or read too much stuff about the news or whatever to get a bit bogged down with that and it's important just to acknowledge that and say oh, okay hang on I need to just take three steps back mm. Let's just stop. Let's just think. Let's have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. What is actually going on here? And, and I'm very much an introvert. So for me, that could be taking a day or two out of being online, being in any kind of busy environment and just saying, right, OK, I just need to stop and just regather my thoughts and it's all OK. And out we go again. So you mentioned there about, um, you know if we're not nourishing our bodies in the right way if we're not you know eating well taking care of ourselves i mean what do you perceive to be the relationship between having healthy mind healthy body and our ability to make those changes those transformational changes that um, allow us to live this whole life to be you know fully present um, and grabbing every opportunity it's a really good question. My, my belief is that everything is, we, we are as a human being, we are one unit with lots of different factors in it. And if one of those cogs in this finely well-oiled machine of, of Jess gets a little bit out of whack because I haven't had breakfast or I've had a late supper or whatever, I can feel that for myself and I know my clients do as well. Um, Equally, not all humans suit a really routine life. Mm. So for me, the key perspective with, when I was understanding about what really made me tick, and also what I bring to my clients' worlds is, let's really understand, okay, what do you need? What are the things you really need 
to be on top performance um, and and then make time for that and carve out time for that and if it's a very very busy life some of my clients have got crazy crazy busy lives um, what are the strategies that you can build in place and what are the habits that you can build in place there will be certain things that we will all do every morning every night in the middle of the day brushing our teeth for example in the morning okay so i know that if i need to have 10 minutes of meditation i'll brush my teeth and then i'll take 10 minutes of meditation attaching a new habit to an existing habit it really helps with that habit adherence um mm. and it, yeah we um james clear calls it habit stacking and it's so logical and such a simple way to adopt it but it makes such a difference to be able to tack those habits on no it does i call it pegging you peg it i peg it to something so you know for example you know everyone everyone needs to be taking the vitamin d i will be announcing vitamin d day shortly i'm slightly obsessed with vitamin d but um yeah you know people say to me i don't have time i don't remember well okay we're going to put it by your you do remember to make your cup of coffee so we're going to put it by the kettle as you say it's habit stacking i love that term habit stacking think or feel and the other thing you said there that i think is really interesting is about the importance of voicing your needs because i don't think many of us necessarily can do that naturally as you say that mm -hmm. takes work to recognize that you have a right to voice your need and be supported and to put that in at the center you know at the top of your list not the bottom um mm. yeah definitely i also think with voicing needs i think when one is on a journey it's really important to be surrounding yourself with the right people to support mm. you on that journey um, I'm very lucky. I've got a really close knit group of friends. We have a WhatsApp group. Um, there are four of us in the group and I'll send a WhatsApp out saying, this is what I've got going on today. And they'll be like, yay, go Jess. And it's great. It's having my own cheering squad as well as me cheering myself along. Um, and I think one of my clients that I was had a lot of coaching sessions with last year, she was competing at a pretty high level. Um, national and world level in her given sport and we really broke down we spent one whole session on looking at okay well who are the people in your life who you want in your cheering squad and also who are the people you don't want in your cheering squad who's that one person who's always there saying well I don't really know why you're bothering or why do you want to do that or yeah you'll never change that or just get over it or whatever and taking those people out and, and not necessarily getting rid of them out of your life but just not giving your energy in that direction just keeping your energy for the people who are your cheering squad and who do have your back and who are gonna say yay go Jess you know we've got you you can do this and it's really important to be really clear on who are those people who are always going to champion you because not everybody will one of the people I've had to step away from uh, in, a, in, in quite a strong way is a very close member of my family because he wasn't supportive of my journey and actually was mm. quite aggressively unsupportive of my journey. And that's okay. That's his prerogative. It's also my prerogative to say, well, that's okay. Well, I won't spend as much time with you then. Yes, mm. and you're absolutely right. And it's that choice we also make over who we take that feedback from. 
as you say, yes. you know, feedback is a choice. Uh, you know, people willy nilly feel they have a right to say it, not least in the in the world of social media. You know, people slide mm. into my DMs and feel they can say anything they like. Oh, yeah, I really don't like your shirt today, Rose. Yeah, thanks for that. But <laughs> it's, uh, it's, but it, we, we have a choice, don't we, as to who, and as you say, it's not necessarily having, you know, because sometimes those relationships are difficult to disengage from if it's family members, for example, but who is on our, um, who is on our side and that also brings us to boundary I think mm -hmm. and when we're making big changes and for people who are working within reframe club where they're trying to reject the diet mentality for example and say do you know what I don't want to engage in keto talk anymore mm -hmm. over the photocopier at work and I don't want to mm -hmm. sit and have these conversations about your diet because I'm you know trying to shift my mindset to focusing on my health and not chasing this number on the scales you know we work to empower our members to be able to put those boundaries in place and say do you know what we're not going to talk about this now let's change the subject or I don't like talking about diets or my body isn't up for comment mm. you know that's the other thing I think people um feel they have a right to comment on other people's exercise food and bodies it's this bizarre thing we have in society where we can we can stay quiet about so many other things and be completely british and very polite about it but actually you know feel nothing about saying oh, are you sure you should have that second serving you know it's mm. putting having the tools as part of that tool set around language and things that, things we can say and use to put those boundaries in place so mm. you know as you say muting people opting in and out of whether or not mentally we take that feedback or not you know is that constructive do i value their opinion that's a choice we make but also having the language around that to be able to deal with that internally you know up here when we listen to our inner critic but also out in the real world absolutely and that takes time and practice and a huge mm. amount of self-awareness and mm. and also it's a it's a bit of a chicken and egg because you you know you've got the toolkit you've got to have the confidence yes to yeah. use the toolkit and that's where having a coach can make such a difference because you know that you can talk all of that stuff through having a, a, a group of champion friends, they will, you can talk it through with them. And it's having that confidence to say, Oh gosh, I felt really, really awkward about that. As you say, we are so British and nobody talks about the difficult things really, do they? And, and, and by having that confidence to say, actually, no, I know that I am worthy of, not having to listen to this and, and 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 actually making that decision and committing to that journey and saying I know that as part of the journey that I am on it's not really helpful for me to be listening to that watching that seeing that doing mm. that and, and part of that also you know as you're saying that I'm hearing the word vulnerable pop up in my head because mm. I think that's part of what holds us back is this fear of being vulnerable this fear of being seen as not coping or weak or you know not being able to do it all and actually um or saying you know if we're saying i don't want to talk about that people the fear that people are going to say oh is that because you can't deal with it or you don't mm. you know you're not hard enough to take my feedback you know all of those kind of things but actually i in my own work try and show my own personal vulnerability because I think it then gives other people an opportunity to go I'm not alone mm. because I think in a world of where we peddle perfection all the time and we peddle performance and we peddle success in its you know um 
most basic terms, you know, financial or the way we look or athletic mobility. Um, when people step forward and go, do you know, that's not the journey for most. This is hard and it is sticky and it is messy. And we do go backwards and round in circles and sometimes it feels impossible. That's when, and this goes back to your personal value of authenticity and integrity, which is one of mine, that you you can sit back and say, actually, do you know what? This is this it becomes doable because it feels mm. safe. Because I don't think we always feel safe because people aren't always being authentic, are they? Mm. Absolutely. And I think this is where the values work really helps, is that if you are on a journey that is truly aligned to your core values, that journey is going to feel far more natural and far more of your own journey than if you're if you don't really know what your values are and you you think you should be doing something and that's where values are such a great start point to to get discussion flowing around actually what do these things mean and what do I really want and what is me and why am I hanging out with these people why am I doing these things that's not me I want to be doing this great brilliant okay now we've got a start point and that's that can be a real breakthrough is just identifying those those really really formative basics almost that create that broad 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 stabilization base from which to grow from and with that in mind then that sense of starting point and growing from how do you think we can support the next generation you said you've done work with teams you know what do you see come up in calls with them that you go oh, okay this is the i'm seeing this as a common thread amongst this generation i think the key for teens is to understand what they're feeling is valid and what other people are saying isn't necessarily valid. And it sounds really, really simple. Um, they're surrounded by so much language. And, and, and the children that I coach with the, with the equestrian clinics is what we, what we find quite a lot of the time is that people will be talking about this amazing new pony or this amazing horse that this child is riding and it's so talented and this and that and the other. This child feels this pressure that they have to achieve, they have to be more than they feel ready to be. So the, the, the most empowering thing that I guide those young people towards is them having the confidence to say, oh, but I'm not sure I'm quite feeling that or I'm not quite sure about that. Can, you know what does that mean and to really just not take things as fact and just to really think again about oh is that relevant to me in my life or is that just someone waffling on about some nonsense or something or other um obviously if it's 8 p.m bedtime then that's that you, know. <laughs> <laughs> you might all ignore that they go no that's definitely not valid definitely not valid <laughs> so so yeah it's that really and i think and i think the other key um is with young people particularly is is when they're hearing guidance is really listen to that guidance really listen and try and understand that guidance and okay well what's the reason behind that rather than just saying no and really understanding what they're doing and the actions they're taking and also certainly with the young people I'm coaching is raising that level of consciousness and that in a teen brain is really hard to do mm. because there's so much going on in a teen brain. And if the teen brain hasn't had 
food and water and sleep, the teen brain is really tough. And when that teen brain has then got to get on a horse and compete at quite a high level, that's really challenging. And that's when the wheels and quite often the child falls off. Um, so it's about really raising that consciousness of, okay, what am I actually here to do? And what are the tools in my toolkit that are going to help me do that? And then suddenly, again, you'll see the, see the light bulbs going on. And then the performance goes up, the confidence goes up. And I think that the really fulfilling part for me with coaching the young people, particularly in the equestrian arena, is that they take those tools and skills onto other things in life, whether that's GCSEs, whether it's exams, whether it's a degree, whether it's integrating with other human beings at university and finding a whole new community to... To, to spend so much time with and, and these tools are so 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 important at such a young age that they can the value is oh it's a thousand fold over the course of that person's life and and that's what's so fulfilling for me yeah massively I can I can understand that I think yeah and as you say if we can bed it in now we set them up for we set them up for life we do and the other thing we can bed in um embedding well at a young age I think is the importance of uh, supporting our emotional and physical well-being and as you say you know in the teen brain if it's not fed it's not had enough sleep which is frequent um, and it's living on Doritos then you know they're not they can't compute that the huge influx of and the intensity at which young people experience the world you know they experience emotions and they experience um interactions with people at a, at a greater intensity than we do it feels much bigger not least because their social lives become very very important to them and how they see themselves within that context and within those relationships becomes really important so I, you know, i'm wondering in your experience um for that age group but also for you know adults how do we support our emotional um, well-being? How do we, um, what do we prioritise? How can we do that on a daily basis to make sure that we are well? It kind of backtracks over what we've talked about a little bit. The, the first key is awareness of mm -hmm. how am I feeling? Why could I be feeling that way? What are the other cogs going on? In, in my body that can have an impact on that um, and also okay to if I'm not in a in a great emotional well place emotionally well place where do I need to get to and having that toolkit of how am I going to get there am I going to phone a friend am I going to listen to a podcast am I going to read a little bit of that really cool book that I love um, am I going to watch an old episode of friends on Netflix because I know it'll make me laugh or, or do I need a nap? Um, and having that toolkit of, okay, and really naming that, I'm feeling this because of, and what I'm gonna do is this. And having that strategy and that go-to of automatically, having that process really. And, yeah. and it's the same for adults as it is for young people. I think adults are quicker to be able to do that. And I think teens and younger people are almost more reluctant to do that because they're afraid of, if they look a little bit deeper, what might they find? Um, and that lack of self-awareness um, is there because it's still developing. And it takes years for that real self-awareness to come through. 
Um, and they may have other influences as well in their lives that are going on that make it more challenging. But that having that toolkit, that, that ability to say, oh, okay, I know I'm not in a great place or I am in a great place. Right, what am I going to do about it? How am I going to use that to, to an advantage or do I need to move myself away from that by doing A, B, C or D? I love that. Um, those three kind of little connected joining of the dots you articulated there. So I'm feeling blank because of blank and I'm going to do this about it. That's, that's, that's something people can take away today, isn't it? It's something just to yeah. apply a framework to apply for when those feelings of anxiety or overwhelm or whatever manifest. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And what are the kind of steps you know do you have we always ask our, our interviewees this you know three simple steps that people can take away and um apply immediately okay so the first thing i would absolutely wholeheartedly encourage anyone who hasn't done this before or anyone who hasn't done this for a while is get to know your personal values do mm -hmm. some work on that they're your values and no one else's um really get to know and understand those and also look at the people who you share your life with and, and, and think about their values and are their values the same, different? And that's okay, it doesn't matter whether they're the same or different, but it'll just start to heighten that awareness of the worlds that you're living in and why some people may trigger you, some people may not. You click with some people quicker than you click with other people. So values would be my absolute number one. Number two would be take the time to have an audit audit how you are nourishing your brain, your eyes, your ears, your mouth. Is what you are consuming on Netflix, on Instagram, on Facebook, from your fridge, is that serving you well? Or could you have a few tweaks here and there? Could you not un unfollow some people or hide some people or unprioritize watching those people or get rid of this or get rid of that or whatever? So really have an audit of what am I consuming? And then the third point would be to really think about your beliefs. And this does take time, but if something pops up and you think, oh, hang on, why do I think that? Hmm. So why do I think it? Where's that come from? Is that a childhood belief? Is it someone who you used to look up to because they were this epic influencer on Instagram who had this amazing following and just looked fabulous in every photo and yada 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 has it come from that person oh well is it fact or is it nonsense if it's nonsense get it in the bin get it gone and if it's fact okay well can I reframe that so that that belief serves me in a positive way so that's probably more than three so values audit and beliefs those are my three initial start points to really raise awareness in how we are living our lives and are we living the best life we can and are we putting ourselves in the best position to be able to live the best life we can and it's a great start point I think for many. And if you could stand on top of the mountain or have a billboard at the side of, I don't know, it was a really busy inter intersection on the motorway um, that could state one thing that you would love the world to see and hear and understand? What would that thing be? Ooh, well, and I think this is poignant for life, but also particularly for the times that we're living in now, is listen to others 
to truly understand what they're saying and what's behind what they're saying, not just to hear what they're saying. Oh, that's, that's deep, but very true. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Do you, do you mean the intention behind people's words? Yeah, I think the intention behind people's words, I think there's, we are surrounded by so much noise at the moment. There's Mm. so much going on in our country, in the world, both with coronavirus and Brexit and schools and universities and all of this stuff going on. And everybody has a viewpoint. Everybody's viewpoint, whether we agree with it or not, is valid. It's their viewpoint. And that's okay. But are we really understanding what's going on behind that viewpoint? Or are we just fighting back? And at the moment, there's so much fighting back. And I see this now, but I've seen it for years and years and years working in the corporate world, working in office culture, working in coaching circles, where people will declare something and they'll be straight back with a criticism, other people jumping in there. And all views are valid. Are we really truly understanding what they're saying, where that's coming from, that thought process is coming from, and really engaging in that, really taking the time to really listen rather than just hear what they're saying and go, yeah, whatever. We can only mm. go to growth, can't we? In Absolutely. every sense of the word. And that and that that feeling of growth, that feeling of learning is the most amazing feeling. It's so rewarding. And to be able to give that as a gift to the person you're listening to is going to make them feel amazing as well. And I love that, Jess. Give your listening, your true listening as a gift to others. And I think that's a very beautiful way to end this chat. I mean, it's been fabulous. You've given us a wealth of knowledge today, Jess. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Rose. It's been fun. Thank you for tuning in. And we hope you have taken something away from listening. Perhaps one small action you can put into practice today. We would love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. So pop on over to Reframe Club where you can share them, your own reflections and experiences. We would love to hear from you. As always, here at Reframe Club, we are rooting for you.